Look at you. You made it to another episode of We Did That Shit podcast, where we talk about who did some shit, what we learned from shit, and how we got through some shit. Maya's not here, y'all. And I'm Babi. And I can do whatever I like. Podcast family, we appreciate you. And we hope your week was the shit. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. If you enjoy our company, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform. We're on iTunes, Google Play, YouTube, Spotify, and Anchor. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. What's up? It's our 50th episode, and I'm all by myself. Can you believe it? Well, while Maya is off gallivanting in the Caribbean somewhere, I'm here hard at work trying to put out a great show for y'all. So usually we start with telling each other about our week. So let me tell you about mine. It was rather uneventful except for this small minor detail. And I hope you're sitting down because you are not going to believe this. I got stood up. Again. Whew. So, if you're a frequent listener, you may remember a couple of months ago, Maya and I did an episode. In fact, it was episode 37, and it was entitled The Stood Up Ladies Club. Maya and I discussed being stood up and being ghosted. And I guess I was made an official member of the Stood Up Ladies Club because I had been stood up twice. Now, I'm not only a member, but these jokers is out here trying to make me the president. So let me tell you how it went down. So I met the guy, and I mean physically met the guy. This wasn't no friend of a friend, acquaintance of acquaintance, online dating, anything like that. I physically met the guy at work. and, And it was like late September, early October, You know, I saw him. I don't like to say that I have a type, but yeah, I guess everybody has a type. And like he just didn't check any of my boxes. He was light skinned. He was tall. He was a little younger than me. But even being a day younger than me is like, mm, I don't know. So, you know, I really didn't pay him any mind. It was on to the work. So we interacted two or three times before he asked me out and when he asked me out I was like oh because I don't know why but in my mind I'm thinking if you're not my type then I'm automatically thinking that you think I'm not your type either I know it sounds crazy but I guess that's just how I think so anyway I was like oh you know baby try something new maybe you know I said yes we made a date And now, come to think about it, I think he stood me up then, too, because he called after the fact and said his flight was delayed. Now, I knew he was out of town, 
and I knew he was coming back. But when your flight is delayed, you can't call when you're still in the airport and say your flight has been delayed. Hmm. I must have been tired. Anyway, we rescheduled the date. Now, this time, I changed the plan because I was out and I didn't want to come back for the date, you know. Hmm. But I called him beforehand I called as soon as I knew like early that day that I wasn't going to be back in time that I had changed my plans I was like look I'm going to stay where I am I'm not going to make it back in time hopefully we can reschedule he was like cool so cool now that was in October I've seen him a few times in the meantime and so leading up to now we rescheduled for Saturday now, from October to now, I mean, he has my number. He doesn't frequent with the calls or, hey, how you doing? How you been? Uh, he probably doesn't even know more about me than what's printed on my business card. Now that I think about it. But anyway, I talked to him a couple times the week before the date. But then as we get closer, you know, Wednesday, nothing. Thursday, nothing. Friday, nothing. Now, we agreed to do lunch on Saturday because I had something to do later. So he calls me Saturday at 3.18. What did he say? I don't know. Because I just looked at the phone like, hmm, Alrighty then. And my, mo my voicemail is full, so he couldn't leave a message. So then he texts me, hey, give me a call. Oh, really? Okay. You know, I just let it go. I was just going to, you know, now I know I'm going to see the person again because we're working on a project together at work. He doesn't work where I work and he doesn't work for my company. He's like an outside person coming in for this project. So... Ain't going to bother me. I could care less. But he called again. So he called again around 830. And I answered because, you know, I'm going to see him again anyway. So let's see what he got to say. Uh, He was like, hey, I called you. I was like, yeah, uh, at 318. And he was like, well, and I just had to cut him off because I just, I, I don't have time for the shenanigans. I just... I have very low tolerance for nonsense and I'm not angry, but just a little irked, you know? So I was like, look, you don't want nothing. No way. You had my number for months. You don't call. You're clearly just trying to bone, you know, let it go, boo. I think that you're in a relationship. You're either married or you live with some chick because it doesn't take anybody three months to make up a date or go out. And why don't you call? It's just all too fishy for me now that I'm thinking about it. So I told him, you know, I'll see you next time. Have a nice life. Have a nice death. Goodbye. And there it was. I mean, if you follow the show... I mean, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm a very nice person. And I don't mind not dating, but I am getting rather irked with being stood up. I'm just going to start saying no, like all the time. But I don't want to be bitter. I really don't know what to do. This is like really crazy to me. I don't know. So if you got some tips, some tools, some advice, I welcome it. Hit me up because I, I, I got nothing. I don't know.
<sighs> so moving on. Who did some shit? It's a lot of shit going on. And, um, you know, I'm not really into pop culture. That's more Maya's thing. I kind of like to the uplifting stories about who did some shit, but it just seems like there's a whole lot of bullshit going on. So I want to talk about this government shutdown. Um, this guy that lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue that looks like an orange Cheeto. This is the longest government shutdown in history. And it affects 800,000 federal employees, 800,000, not to mention all the residual effects it has on other people who rely on the services, benefits and uh, of the agencies that have been shut down. The shutdown started on December 22nd, right before Christmas. And for anyone who's ever been out of a job, I know I have. I have been unplanned, unemployed for an extended amount of time twice in my life. And I'm going to talk about what I learned from those things and how you can, you know, Adopt some habits to help you through some things like that because it could happen to anyone. But nine of the 15 federal departments are closed. However, 75% of the government services are unaffected by the shutdown. 420,000 employees, federal employees, are working without pay. January 11th was the first paycheck that was missed. And we know that most of the working people in our country live paycheck to paycheck. And that is true regardless of what kind of job you have or where you work or, you know, they say that there's a, a middle class, but does it really exist? So we know that most people are living paycheck to paycheck and these federal employees are no different. So 420,000 federal employees are going to work every day and all that that entails, gas money, needing to eat, cleaning your clothes, all that stuff costs money. And they're not getting paid, but they still have to go to work. And another 380,000 federal employees have been furloughed from work. So their pay stopped immediately because they're not going and they're not being paid. And a lot of those furloughed employees are in places that affect many minorities and people of lower incomes, those like the IRS, HUD, the Department of Transportation, uh, the State Department, things like that. So not just the 800,000 federal employees who some are working and not getting paid, but also, and some are just not working, but also the people who receive the benefits of those works are being affected. And I just think it's a very sad time 
in our nation, you know, for this to happen right before Christmas, through the holidays, and people are worried about where their next meal is coming from, how are they going to pay their mortgage, their car note, uh, especially for the people who are required to go to work every day. It really is scary. Um, some of the services that are not affected by the shutdown are things like uh, the mail. We're getting mail every day. Big deal. I get a bunch of junk mail. gets on my nerves. Um, Social Security checks will still be deposited every month. And also the Medicare and Medicaid benefits are not affected by this. Um, people who travel... Some TSA workers are being uh, made to go to work every day and now they and they're not being paid. But some TSA workers, some airports use uh, have a contract with another agency to supply their TSA workers. And so those airports that have that, those contracted employees are still being paid because they technically don't work for the federal government. Um, it's also interesting to note that um, talking about residual effects, uh, the immigration court system has been shut down. So people who are being held uh, for deportation or maybe reunited with their families, all of those court cases are being postponed. They don't know, you know, when this is going to get started again. They're just holding people like they're criminals because all detainees they're not criminals but now that the immigration court is closed people are just being held there you know until their case can be heard also something that's very important to note the fda is not inspecting farms and foods and and food processing plants so a lot of people I have heard, they were saying that, you know, they're going to refrain from eating meat, wash your vegetables really, really well, go to a farm that you know to get your food because now that these inspections aren't taking place, if people can cut corners, they will. And people are just not feeling sure about the safety of the food products that we're eating. So I said all of that to say that for the people who are furloughed and out of work, uh, they are really in my thoughts and prayers. I know that there are a lot of people who are unemployed and have been through unemployment including myself. So I really do know what it feels like. Um, but some people act like they just don't care what's happening to other people. I just personally, I believe in uh, being a global citizen that we should all, you know, have some accountability and some concern for each other. This is a good time if you work in an area where you know that there are a lot of federal employees and people are being furloughed. This is a nice time to join together as a neighborhood, have potlucks, um, clothing exchanges. You know, kids have to go to school. They grow out of things, uh, carpools to save on gas. Um, like I said, I have been 
out of work for extended periods of time. And I just had to learn how to do things different. You know, when when it first happened, I was laid off twice. Well, one time I wasn't laid off. I was working um, in Africa and it was the project ended. And so I didn't think it would be a problem when I came home to just, you know, pick up and find another job. However, it turned out that it was a problem because I was not as marketable as I thought I was because they told me that now that I had this experience, my experience far outweighed my education and I had to go back to school in order to compete, you know, for the jobs that I qualified for. So I was out of work once for 15 months and then another time for nine months and the 15 months was first. So in the 15 months I had worked overseas and I only got paid for the time that I was actually working and I was paid well. So I knew that when I came home, I would have to and I would come home like maybe for a month, even during the project. So I knew that I had to save money so that when I came home, I could still pay my bills and I could still live and, you know, until the next time I traveled. So I did well with that. It was like I got a bulk amount of money up front and I had to divvy it out to myself like paychecks. So I thought that I planned well. And ultimately, I did. I just didn't plan to be out of work for 15 months. So after six months, when my savings was gone, I was still out of work and in a place where I had literally no income. And it was rough. It it really was rough. I I remember, you know, I was young, I had two children, and I had to make things happen. So I remember cutting coupons, getting odd jobs, um, doing hair, you know, you do what you have to do to make it. I applied for some subsidies for, for rental assistance. And they had like little programs where they would assist you with your rent for six months, pay a portion of your rent. If you had a plan of how you were going to earn after they stopped helping you, how are you going to pay your rent? And, you know, I just, I, you know, I just never fathomed that I would be out of work that long because I had always worked. I've been working since I was 13 and it was just unfathomable for me that I was just going to be out of work that long. But when it happened again, uh, in that time, I did go to school. I went to nursing school. It was rough, but I got through it. I didn't know anything about nursing. I applied when I first applied. I applied to two RN programs and two LPN programs And it was an LPN program that called me first. And I was going with whomever called me first. So I had to pay that tuition, get through school, pay for books, you know, all of that stuff without an income. And I worked odd jobs. 
I remember getting a job at the Wawa because I wanted to do something where I didn't have to use, you know, a whole lot of brain cells. That didn't work out too good. I didn't think that through. So I, I was there for three days. The first day you go to the headquarters, you train in the headquarters. They teach you about the company and how they really love people. They're really into safety, blah, blah, blah. The second day I was in the store, they had me making sizzlies, the little breakfast sandwiches. I'm cool with that. The third day I was on the register. I did retail when I was young, a teenager, so I'm pretty good with a register. And, um, you know, Wawa, these little convenience stores, they're, they're full of like young people who they're like 18 and 19 years old and they want to be a manager by the time they're 19 and a half. So they always bopping around in your business doing, you know, this telling you this and telling you that, trying to tell you what to do and show you what to do. And, you know, they grew up in a world where you're not allowed to touch me. You're not allowed to say anything offensive to me. You're not allowed to do that. And I grew up where, you know, you get on my nerves. I punch you in the face. We fighting in the schoolyard. And the next day you won't be carrying my books. So um, the little girl, you know, never rob a Wawa because they drop all their money into a safe and nobody can get into the safe. So it's a waste of your time to try to rob a Wawa. So the girl was like, oh, you have to drop your money in the safe. And I was like, yeah, I know I will. You know, give me a second. Let me get my line down. And she stood there. And I'm ringing up the next customer. When my drawer opens, she puts her hand in my drawer to take the money out. So I snatched her. I snatched her with my left hand. I finished my transaction with my right hand, I put the money in the safe, closed the drawer, told the rest of my line to go to another register, locked my register, all while I had her snatched up, walked to the office and told the manager, and I remember this, this was like way back in 2005, it was 2005, I said, Laura, I'm sorry, honey, I'm just going to go home. I didn't think this through. And I let the little girl go. And, you know, she started ripping like, oh, my gosh, you're not allowed to touch me and all that other kind of stuff. You know, nothing ever happened. She didn't call the police or anything. But, you know, sometimes you just don't think things through. So I was like, yeah, OK, I can't work at Wawa. What am I going to do? So that's when I just start doing things, you know, for pe doing favors for people, doing hair, things like that, because literally we had to eat. And it wasn't until after I finished school and got a job that I had a regular income and then I had to start playing catch up. Fortunately, getting a nurse's license really did give me good bang for my buck. So I was able to get out of the hole in about a year and then things were all smooth again until my job ended again. So, and then I was like nine months without a job. But the, the nine months was nothing like the 15 months because I learned some things in the 15 months that made the nine months so much easier. And this is what I learned and uh, this is what I did. I feel, number one, when you have to give, give. 
you know, donate to food pantries, give to charities. You know, if there's because the concept of karma is real, what goes around comes around. And, you know, I never have been the kind of person to look down on other people because you never know one day it could be you needing something. So I am a very charitable person. I believe in the power of giving. So whenever I have to give, I make sure I give. And I give to causes and places and things that I know help people. And so that's what I do. When I have it to give, I make sure I give. Number two, and this is very important. I call on my local government. I am registered to vote i vote in every election and um i remember when i was in high school i did a little internship at one of our senators offices and i remember being a young person and you know watching my mom pay bills and calling the electric company and say well i can pay this much and i can pay that much and then i get paid on this day i'll give you this much and uh, things like that. I remember those things. But when I was an intern at this senator's office, we used to get mail. I used to have to open the mail and read the letters and sort the letters into categories of what the people wanted. And people would write and call and ask for everything. I mean, everything. Like, you know, my dog keeps getting out the fence. I need to get a new fence, but I don't have money for a new fence. And they would write their senator like the senator was going to give them money for the new fence. Or, you know, my electric is too high. I can't pay this bill. And like the senator was going to give them money to pay their electric bill. But what I learned was if you write or call your state or U.S. senators, they have to do something. They can't just leave your letter or phone call unanswered. They have to do something. And it was like crazy to me. And when I learned that they really have to do something, well, I was working there and I saw that they wrote everybody back. And, you know, I don't remember what happened with each case, but I do remember that when my son was young, my son was diagnosed um with he was starting to get the diagnosis for autism he was like two and a half and um people told me that i should apply for social security for him because he was eligible because he was disabled and i was like well i don't need that you know i work or whatever i don't you know and i never really paid it any mind and a couple years went by and somebody told me that i should do it again and um when jihad started school is when he was like five, he was in school, he was like five. And that's when one of the workers at the school, she told me, um, well, do you have, does he get SSI? And I said, no, I work. And she explained to me that um, even though while he's a minor, the SSI is based on my income. The benefit of the SSI is that it comes with medical insurance. So whether I'm working or not, if I lose my job, if I lose my medical benefits, he will have a medical benefit as long as I qualify 
uh, financially to receive the SSI for him. And to me, that struck me as important. And so that's when I sent away for the application. And I mean, this application was so thick. It was like a book. And I just kept looking at it like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. They wanted like, I was always good record keeper, you know, of stuff, Jiggy's doctor's appointments and, you know, the, the letters, everything, all the notes and stuff from school. But this application was just so thick. And I remember like, I was like, this will take me forever to fill out this application. And I just let it sit there for about six months. And then one day I just got this stroke of energy or something. I don't know. And I started to complete the application. And I mean, I literally sat down and went through the whole thing, the whole application. And where they said they wanted a note, I stopped. I went and got a doctor's note or something that I had in the file, made a copy, put it in there so that I wouldn't have to go back. And everything was complete. And I literally did the application in one day. And what I did from what I learned from working in this intern's office was I made five copies of that application. I sent the original to the Social Security office and I sent the copies to Senator Rob Andrews because that's who I interned for. I remembered him and whoever else was our senators at the time. And I wrote a note and it said attached Please find application for Social Security benefits for my son, Xavier, you know, who has autism. I would appreciate anything your office can do, you know, to assist in this process. And everybody was telling me that when you apply for Social Security, you know, it takes them six months to process the application. But don't worry, because you get all the money back to retroactive to the date of the application. Uh, they usually deny you first, but then you have to appeal it. And don't worry, because you get all the money back retroactive to the date of the application and things like that. So they were like, best case scenario, you'll get a letter of denial in six months. And in worst case scenario, you'll get two denials and then you'll get a lawyer and then, you know, you'll get approved. It might take 18 months, but don't worry, you'll get all that back money. Well, on the 180th day, which is exactly six months that I submitted that application Six months worth of Social Security payments were in the bank account that I had set on the application. It went straight through because I got my local governments involved, my state senators, my U.S. senators, and I don't know which one. That's why whenever I have something to do, I CC all of them. Because whoever can get it done will get it done. And he was never denied. I never had to submit additional information. They never asked to confirm the account number. Nothing. I woke up. There was some money in my account. I didn't know where it came from. And the letter came in the mail like two days after the money was already in my account. So it does work. I'm a witness. I help a co-worker get um, services for her son. He was denied some public transportation service because he can't take the buses and he was denied. And I told her what to do to appeal and CC her local government. And a week later, you know, it says her appeal had been granted. So it does work. 
So always call on your local government and make sure you're registered to vote because they do check that. Ooh, that was a little long. Sorry. Number three, support businesses that support other people. You know, and that's very important, too, because uh, when I'm looking at my cable company, I ask Verizon and Comcast, well, what do you support? You know, because if you support the things that my community needs, you know, what happens when something happens? Are you going to come help my community? That's what I want to know. And if not, I'm going to go with the other person. I care about where I spend money. And during the shutdown, I've heard about several uh, restaurants that are coming together to help feed families who are working and not getting paid. There are um, a few food pantries that have just popped up out of nowhere at local businesses to help families, to feed their families through the crisis. They're helping with gas payments so the people who do have to go to work can uh, keep gas in their car during this time. So there are companies that are helping people and you need to find out you know, if you're spending your money somewhere, support people that help other people in times of need. The fourth thing is to learn to live on what you make. And, you know, Maya talks about social media all the time, but really social media then took keeping up with the Joneses to a whole new level. And we all have, myself included, we all have a ton of shit that we don't need or that we don't use. You know, we spend when we really don't have, um, we act like we can afford it and we always can't. But going long periods without working, without having income, it will teach you to live on what you have and what you earn. You don't want to live beyond your means uh the first time when i was out of work for the not the first time but the second time when i was out of work for that nine months when my program closed i collected unemployment for six of those nine months now the unemployment was drastically less than what i was making um because unemployment in my state is 60 percent of your income up to 600 dollars per week so my income was way more than $600 per week. So I just got the max, which was $600 per week. And what I did was I learned to live on $600 a week. So whatever I had to change in my regular routine to make sure everything fit in $600 a week, that's exactly what I did. And I, I said for the rest of my life, I wanted to make sure that I'm able to live off of what I would receive on unemployment. So still to this day, that's why I make sure my overhead is low. I'm not paying astronomical cable bills. I'm not paying astronomical phone bills. I don't need the latest and greatest of everything. I need my overhead to be as low as possible because God forbid something happens to my job or I'm not able to work. I need to be able to maintain my home. And even though my children are adults now, my son does have special needs and he needs a little help. He's very independent, but he still needs a little help. But I need to be able to maintain with whatever the less is that I'm able to bring home. Which brings me to number five. It's my last one. Learn how to save money, people. 
Learn how to save money. We don't have to go out and spend every single dime that we make. We have to learn how to save money. Um, and this has been something that I have, it has taken me a long time. My savings started very, very small. Then they got better. Then I had to spend it. Then I tried something new. Then I had to spend it. Then I had money to save a lot. And then I spent it because I wanted to. And that, so it is an ongoing process. However, it is very, very necessary because if something comes up, especially if it's an emergency, you know, people, I don't depend on credit so much because um, I have one credit card and I usually just use that for travel and um, you know but when things happen like we had a roofer come and he said I needed something done to the roof and I didn't have to worry I don't like using my savings but that's what the savings is for so that if something happens I don't have to go into the money that I use for my everyday life in order to take care of it. So it is important that we learn how to save money and, you know, different things may work for different people. I have tried a plethora of things. There are some things that I like more than others. I do save coins. Um, I put pennies, nickels and dimes all together in one big jar, but I save quarters in a way that I know exactly how much money I have. Uh, pill bottles will hold $10 worth of quarters and I usually save them in the pill bottles and if I go to my bank every time my pill bottle is full if I ride past the bank I put it in there because it's out of the way I can't see it it's in the savings account it's gone um, there are podcasts about uh, savings and how to deal with your money things like that if you work a lot of times your human resources department have options that will help you learn how to save you can direct deposit into a saving savings account um, it is I think it's very necessary I think it's good for everyone to learn how to save money because at any time especially with this orange cheeto going on you know, it could be you. All businesses may not make it through this economy or the next. Um, it's just something to think about. And like I said, the federal employees and this shutdown, the people have been really heavy on my mind. You know, my prayers are with them, you know, that they make it through this shutdown that's happening prayerfully this government will get it together um but in the meantime let's just help each other as much as we can and that's all i like to say about that so thank you for listening to me it is kind of weird doing the podcast by yourself when you have a co-host um next week maya will be back telling us about her exciting trip, how she's gallivanting all over the Caribbean for her birthday. I will say that uh, their color this year was red, and they really did uh, work it in that red this year in their pictures and things like that. So we'll look forward to hearing about her stories next week. 
Um, I'm not going to do a personal journal, but I do. It is Monday, the day that we honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And um, I would just like to end the podcast by, I can't sing, but Stevie Wonder's happy birthday song. First of all, I love, 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 love Stevie Wonder. Everybody knows that knows me knows I love Stevie Wonder. I have never, ever been ashamed to say, always put it out there, that if you take me to see Stevie Wonder, you can get it. Hey, I mean, it's like that. So um, a lot of times we sing the song, we just sing the chorus. And a lot of people don't know the words, but... The song says, you know, it doesn't make much sense. There ought to be a law against anyone who takes offense at a day spent in your celebration. Because we all know in our minds that there ought to be a time that we can set aside to show just how much we love you. And I'm sure you would agree it couldn't fit more perfectly than to have a world party on the day you came to be. Happy birthday, Dr. King. Well, I'm going to go ahead and get on out of here. I just thank you for listening. Thank you for your time today. Remember, we are on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Did That Shit. You can also follow us on our personal Twitter accounts. Maya is at MyMy13. That's M-Y-M-Y-1-3. And I'm at Babiamina. That's B-I-B-B-I-A-M-I-N-A. And you can also email us at WeDidThatShit at gmail.com. Remember, be great this week. Do that shit.